Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Roughing the Podcast. Here for week three of our draft capsules, where we'll be looking at the AFC East. Devin, my co-host, how are you doing this fine evening? Good. Excited to talk about some football, some free agents. We got some big news that happened in the last couple of days, so we'll be talking about that. Yeah, I'm excited to get this thing rolling. Yeah, so before we get into our weekly draft capsules here, let's talk about some of this news. I want to start with, let, let's get Scott Van Pelt on the line. Somebody call him up. Might be the biggest bad beat ever. Mr. Calvin Ridley bets $1,500, according to himself, on some NFL football and proceeds to lose several million dollars in the process. Dev, what are your thoughts on that, on how that all went down? Oh, man, this one's tough. I mean, from from everything that I've seen and heard, it's like beat into these players that you cannot bet on NFL games. Um, they have meetings about it pretty much all year. There's flyers in the building and everything like that that they walk through and it says, hey, don't gamble on NFL games. And it's something that the NFL does not take lightly, as you can see. Uh, Ridley suspended indefinitely. He can appeal that suspension start, I think it's February 15th next year. So in 2023. So he his suspension will at least be until then. And uh, from what I'm hearing, he did actually bet on the Atlanta Falcons, whether or not he bet on them to win or lose, still up in the air. Um, but you still, I mean, how do you not know that you're not supposed to do that? I get he wasn't with the team at the time. He was away from the team. He was dealing with his own mental health, and he wanted to take care of that. But that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter whether you're with or without the team. If you are still under contract with that team you, and you're in the NFL, you can't bet on NFL games, and that's kind of widely known. Yeah, and for me, I feel like it just raised a lot of questions. I mean, there was just so much ambiguity around why he stepped away last year so then you hear about something like this that he clearly didn't hide very well so like was does he have a problem is it more than the 1500 that he claims it was is there does the gambling play into this mental health break that he needed to take last year it just really it seems like overall there's some things that he needs to figure out in life and he's gonna get a year now to figure it out, which is a shame because the dude is a talented wide receiver, um, really showed out uh, two years ago. People are expecting a follow-up of that this last year. Uh, obviously did not happen, and he'll be off the field again the entirety of this year. It's, it's, yeah, really, and- a bu- it's really a bummer and a, really a blow to that Falcons team that, I mean, has c- had come to count on him as a piece and a weapon for them without Julio. Um, yeah, it's just a bummer all around. Yeah, I mean, like you said, it, it will affect the Falcons. Granted, I think they do save like $11 million in cap space, but when you got a player like Calvin Ridley that you could have on your team, I think you'd rather have that. Uh, and honestly, this could affect Calvin Ridley's future in the NFL. There might not be teams that want him after a year off. He might not look the same after having a year off. Uh, we saw it with Le'Veon Bell. I mean, it happens to these younger guys. If they have a year off of football, they don't, and they don't 
work hard to get or keep that football shape. I mean, they could lose it and then they're not going to be the same player that they were going into that year off. So we'll see how it plays out. Um, Like we said, it is at least one year. February is when he can start his appeal process. But until then, he will not be with the Atlanta Falcons. And the Atlanta Falcons are in worse receiver shape than they were to start the 2022 year. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So we'll move on from that. And so we're sitting here recording on a Tuesday evening. And um, so today was the day of the... uh, franchise tag deadline and there were some notable tags that I wasn't necessarily expecting. We saw for me, I think the biggest shocker was Tampa Bay spending the money and tagging Chris Godwin. I definitely thought that he'd be one that was entertaining that free agent market, but he avoids it. Um, Dalton Schultz gets a couple key tight ends. Dalton Schultz um, took over for Blake Jarwin two years ago in Dallas when Jarwin was hurt. And then kind of this year, Everybody thought, oh, Jarwin's back. Well, no, Dalton Schultz proved to still be that guy. And then they shell out the franchise tag for him this year. And also Mike Kosicki for the Dolphins, who uh, we'll talk about here in a little bit. Um, And then perhaps most notably, uh, Devontae Adams. The Packers spending that cash and tagging Adams uh, and keeping him around. Um, But he's not the—I guess before we move on— any uh, more additional thoughts on the tags, Dev? Yeah, I was actually kind of surprised that Jacksonville tagged Cam Robinson. Um, I don't think Cam is very happy about that. Uh, I think the franchise tag for offensive tackles is $15 million or somewhere around that, and he could have made more than that somewhere else. So he's probably not very happy. Um, we'll see if Jacksonville can sign him to an extension or a long-term contract here shortly. They do have everybody who is franchise tagged. All those teams have until I want to say it's, it's either mid June or mid July, actual mid July to yeah. sign those players to a long-term deal. If not, that is when they go uh, or count towards the cap and their franchise tag price is what is implied to them. So we'll see. I thought it was interesting that they tagged cam Robinson. I thought they were going to let him walk this year. But apparently they really want that talented guy back or on that offensive line. And maybe, just maybe, they'll either have Iquonu or Evan Neal to sit on that line with him. So they might actually have a really good offensive line next year if they can bolster it up in the draft and maybe even another guy in free agency. We'll see. Yeah, very potentially. Um, I mentioned Adams. Adams isn't the only guy that Green Bay decided to keep around, is it, Dev? No, it's not. It's not. They decided they were going to keep Aaron Rodgers, and Aaron Rodgers said, okay, I'll stay. So Aaron Rodgers is officially, well, kind of officially, he tweeted it, that he is staying with the Green Bay Packers. It was originally rumored that he had signed a four-year, $200 million extension, which would make him the highest-played player in NFL history. But then later on, he tweeted Yes, I have decided to stay with the Packers, and I will be playing for them in 2022. However, I did not sign a contract yet. So I think a contract is coming, or he's either just going to play under the one-year contract he's currently at. Either way, Aaron Rodgers has said he is going to play for the Packers, and that is what we can all expect. Yeah, I mean, I th- personally, I, th- I wouldn't be surprised if this is more just the drama queen in 
Rodgers coming out a little bit and keeping himself in the news for a little bit longer as the details of that contract extension get worked out. But nonetheless, the Packers decide to say, heck with the salary cap, bring back Rodgers, although he should end up caught being a little less on their books than he was coming into this year, potentially. Um, but Adams is a big hit, and like we talked about last week, they're we're already in a deep hole, so we'll see what they have to do to get out of that. Um, yeah, I I I personally think they have to sign Rodgers to an extension, whether and whether that be one, two, or four years. I think they have to. They can't take a forty-five million dollar cap hit this year. They have to try to find a way to lessen that, especially now that they tagged. Devontae Adams, and I'm pretty sure Devontae Adams on the wide receiver tag is like $20 million or something like that if they don't get him signed to a long-term deal. Right, right. And like you said, they do have until mid-July to get those deals done, so we will definitely keep you posted. Speaking of deals that got got done and guys who avoided that dreaded franchise tag, the Chargers pulled the trigger with Mike Williams and kept him around on a three-year $60 million deal. Personally, great move. Devin, what are your thoughts? I'm I'm right there with you. I thought they should have done this a long time ago, but I'm happy they did it. Mike Williams is a great receiver. He's been plagued by some injuries here and there, but he's got the talent, and he could definitely show out for this team. So the fact that he got paid is good to see. And it's three years. It's $60 million over those three years, so it's not a huge cap hit. And, I mean, I think they're going to be good at wide receiver. I mean, they got Mike Williams. They still got Keenan Allen over there. Um, Austin Eckler out of the backfield. This team's going to look scary. And they're, I mean, they're not, they still have like $50 million of cap space to sign free agents and sign other people's to extension. So, I mean, they're going to be looking good. And another piece of news that came from the AFC West today to make this division even scarier Russell Wilson, longtime Seattle. Seahawks quarterback, most winningest quarterback in their first 10 years as a starter, was traded to the Denver Broncos for two first-round picks, two second-round picks. I want to say it was Noah Fant, Drew Locke, and then there was another player. It was either a defensive or offensive lineman. I can't remember their name. And then I think they swapped a fifth and a fourth-round pick as well. So they got a huge package deal for Russell Wilson up there in Seattle. Cody, what are your thoughts on this trade as a whole? Yeah, I mean, like you said, I mean, that just makes that Mike Williams signing so much more important because you need every weapon that you can to uh, compete in the division now. So to clarify that trade package, Seattle gets Drew Locke, Noah Fant, defensive lineman Shelby Harris, two firsts, two seconds, and a fifth for Russell Wilson and a fourth-round pick. Um, that's a lot. Um, that's a huge bag. Oh my, that's huge. It we'll is. see if Seattle and, can actually make anything with that though. That's, that's my fear is that Seattle's not going to draft well enough to actually make up for the loss of Russell Wilson. Well, you would think that they go quarterback with one of those picks more than likely. Um, but then they also to cl- clear more cap space, they, um, granted they took a big, uh, they took a big dead space hit uh, on on Russ, but to help mediate that, they released Bobby Wagner, another longtime cornerstone of that team, um, to get back Draft, about fifty. They were drafted in the same year, so they've been they've both been there for ten years. Uh, 
Yeah, and but to get fifteen million dollars in cap, they released uh, B Wags. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it sets Denver up. A lot of people think Denver were was a quarterback away. People they were in the Rogers sweepstakes, um, and then they moved on from the Rogers sweepstakes and been working on this deal for two weeks, and they finally get it done today. Um, and they believe they have the team to compete in that division, and I can't wait to watch it. I mean that. I mean the Raiders were a playoff team uh this year and they so were. you they got were. you got the Chargers who were right there you got the Chiefs who are always there you got the Raiders and now you got the Broncos led by Russell Wilson um two teams going in different directions I think the real winner of this trade is Russ I mean he gets out of Seattle um to a place where he's back to competing hopefully he can get a little bit more protection and um yeah can be Another quarterback slinging it out there, out west. And with, I mean, Cody, if you look at it, Denver had seven wins, and their starting quarterbacks were Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Locke. And that's kind of saying something. I mean, if they're, the rest of their team was able to make up for uh, the quarterback play that they had, which wasn't good at all, and still squeak out seven wins, almost get into that 50-50 or above 500 year, Maybe all they did need was a quarterback, and we'll see, because Russ is now there. Uh, pending a physical and pending him getting rid of his no-trade clause with Seattle, but both of those are very, very likely to happen and be totally fine. Yeah, so, and actually, Deb, our research team just informed me that both of those things have cleared. He signed his his waiver away on the no-trade and then uh, did pass his physical. So I think the only thing... Uh, that's making this pending is the physicals of some of those other guys included in the trade. So um, we're it's real close to being a done deal. And yeah, like you said, they're a talented team and they have some talented receivers who weren't all healthy all year last year. Get Judy and Tim Patrick and Cortland Sutton. Jerry Judy was real excited today. He went on a emotional roller coaster. He tweeted. He really after, did. He tweeted after Rogers said that he was going back to Green Bay, a sad face, and then this trade got announced, and he tweeted a happy face. Uh, so I think these receivers are looking forward to having a better quarterback um, and a guy who can kind of air it out to him too, uh, let them make plays down the field. And that offense will be able to complement a defense that has some great pieces also. Pat Sertain showed out as a rookie last year. Um Justin Simmons is a solid safety. Uh, Bradley Chubb coming off the edge. There's pieces there as well um, that I think they'll be able to compete, even though they're probably in the toughest, one of the toughest divisions in football. Yeah, and I mean, there's three three wild card spots. So I think they're definitely, they're, they're up in the air and they're up for grabs, especially, I mean, the AFC is a crazy, crazy conference to be playing in. But with Russell Wilson and that, the rest of that Denver team, I think they have the ability to make it into the playoffs, and they've been looking for that guy under center since Peyton Manning retired in 2015. Absolutely. And I think they were just tired of trying to draft one, and I think that's why they gave away so many picks is because they figured if we don't get Russell Wilson or we don't get Aaron Rodgers or we don't get one of these big guys, we're going to spend these picks on quarterbacks anyway, and what are the odds that they're going to be as good as one of those two guys? And I think they thought it was pretty low, so they were like, let's just – Let's give them all of it, and we'll just take Russell Wilson, and we'll fly, and we'll be fine. Yeah. 
let's see. We'll definitely be waiting to see what Russ can cook up uh, at mile high. Um, so with that, we'll transition to a team that I think is more than one position away from contending. Very um, much so. That being the New York Jets. Uh, we'll start our AFC East draft capsules here. Um, the Jets are not a very good football team. Um, dead last in uh, points per game on, allowed on defense, dead last in yards per game allowed on defense, uh, the second fewest turnovers forced. Um, they're not much better on offense. They have the 20th-ranked passing offense, 27th-ranked rushing offense, 28th-ranked scoring offense. They just did not have a very good year. I think Michael Carter had a good year as a rookie. Would have loved to see what his numbers would have looked like had he been healthy the full season. I mean, I kind of expected him to take over the role from Tevin Coleman, and that's exactly what he did uh, when he was healthy by the end of the year. But other than that, not a lot of bright spots, is there? No, there's really not. We'll see. I mean, they've got so many defensive pieces that they need, and they still need a ton of offensive line help. So they're, they've got tons and tons and tons of draft capital this year. Uh, let's see. They've got 10 picks in total, and five of those are in the first three rounds. So they've got a lot to work with. Actually, all of their all of their 10 picks are in the first five rounds. So they're going to be done drafting early on day three. And I think... I think that they, they can make a lot of leeway, especially with those two first-rounders. They've got the number four overall and the number 10 overall, and I think they can target their defensive back situation there because there's so many there's so many talented players that are going in to go in that first round that are playing defensive back this year. Yeah, um, but they also come in with $44 million in cap space, and that allows them to look other options to fill some of those needs. Um, maybe they look across the division at the Patriots, who we'll talk about later, and their big free agent corner, J.C. Jackson. Um, estimated cost on him is pretty high. It's $20 million, but the Jets can afford it, and they need that playmaker at corner uh, that they really haven't had since Darrell Revis. Uh, they really haven't had that playmaker on defense since Revis. And um, like you said, there's some... There's a lot of talent at the upper end of the draft at, at defensive back, but there's also a lot of talent in the free agents. Aside from him, aside from Jackson, you got Carlton Davis, you got Marcus Williams, uh, Deshaun Elliott. Um, they, there is options out there to fill that need for sure. Um, just another need that stands out for me though for them is wide receiver. Um, they had the rookie Elijah Moore last year who led them in targets with only 77. He only had 538 yards. Um, he led them in receiving touchdowns with five, um, but he needs some other people. Jamison Crowder, um, I mean, he seems like he can be a role player, but he's not not like that guy. They signed Corey Davis to be that guy, and uh, he wasn't in the top three in targets. Um, they need help in a lot of places. Zach Wilson, if he's going to be their guy, he needs that support, like you said, on the offensive line, but also he needs weapons to help. 
Yeah, I completely agree. Now, I love how you mentioned Deshaun Elliott. Deshaun Elliott is a guy that I think is kind of like a sleeper in free agent in the free agency world. He comes out of Baltimore right now. He hurt his, I want to say it was his bicep or his shoulder this last year. So he didn't play a whole lot, but Baltimore desperately needed him out there because they were just riddled with injury. And Deshaun Elliott is going to be, I mean, he's 20 years old, off of his rookie contract. And his estimated cost is only two and a half million. So all of these needy teams that don't have a lot of cap space could go out there and target a guy like Deshaun Elliott for their safety position. And he could surprise people. He, he might end up somewhere as a depth piece. He might end up back in Baltimore. We'll see how it all plays out. And I think that once free agency starts March 16th, we're going to get a better picture as to who people are going to be targeting in the draft. Because if, if the Jets go out there and they do sign a guy like J.C. Jackson or Carlton Davis... They might not take a guy like Kyle Ham- Hamilton or Sauce Gardner or Derek Stingley Jr. in the draft in their first in that first round. And then they might be able to take a guy like Evan Neal if he falls to that fourth spot. Or even you got Trevor Penning out of UNI or Tyler Lindenbaum out of Iowa. Like all of these guys in that first round, Charles Cross out of Mississippi State. Those offensive linemen are going to be there when the Jets are drafting. So if they go defensive back heavy in free agency then they can go offensive line heavy in the draft if they and they could also do that vice versa so we'll see free agency speaks volumes for how a team is going to draft and i'm interested in the new york jets because like you said they have tons of draft cap capital and they have a lot of cap space to fill in those holes and you could be looking at one of the most improved teams next year now i'm not saying they're going to make the playoffs but they only had four wins last year we could see them getting up to that seven eight nine win mark Yeah. Um, so, Devin, I have a question for you. So, with that fourth, they're in a unique position where they have two picks in the top ten. With that fourth overall pick, how? I mean, how off of an argument would you say it is for them to just take that last man standing? Should it come to that of what I would call the big four of Hutchinson, Neal, Thibodeau, and Iquonu. I again I think it depends. If if either Iquonu or Neal are there at four and they went defensive back heavy in free agency, I think they will snag either of those guys. I don't think that they take either Hutchinson or Thibodeau if they're there. I don't think so. I think they let it pass and I think they go for a guy like Kyle Hamilton at four because he's just a crazy, crazy good safety talent and it's something that they desperately need. And I don't think they reach for Ahmad Sauce Gardner there or Derek Singley. Yeah, I mean, that's a fair point. Um, I've seen a couple mock drafts that have um, a, one of the teams above them reaching for Hamilton, which kind of which would shake things up. For I mean, sure. Houston, Houston definitely needs a safety as well. They need defensive back help. So Houston would be that team that snags it. I don't think Detroit does, and I definitely don't see Jacksonville taking him one overall. But I guess you could see a trade. I could see the Jets actually trading down from four since they have that 10 spot. They could trade with a team like the Giants who have a, I guess they have the fifth, but they could trade with somebody like the Vikings who have 12 or Seattle who has nine. Seattle has a ton of draft capital now. They could trade up and take somebody there. You never really know. It's the NFL draft. Anything can happen. 
Yeah. Um, moral of the story, I think, here with the Jets is they have a lot of pieces they need to address. They have the draft capital and the uh, financial capital to start addressing them. Um, and it's it's not going to be a quick process, um, but it's a process they need to do if they want to compete with the couple of teams that we'll talk about on the back end of this division that um, have no real signs of slowing down. Um, with that, we'll move to the next team. Uh, from this division, which is the Miami Dolphins. Yes, Miami. Originally the team who had the most amount of cap space, but then they were kind of surpassed by the Chargers because they tagged um, their tight end over there, Mike Kosicki. But they still have a lot of room to work with. They have almost $50 million in cap space, well above the average, $35 million to be exact. And they still have 52 players signed for next year. So they're at that 51 players signed. I mean, they have $49 million to spend on their top 51 players. So they can easily cut some people and sign some big-name free agents. One of their biggest needs this year has to be offensive line. They were atrocious. They gave up 39 sacks. They Their leading rusher was Miles Gaskin with 612 yards. And their top two combined didn't even have 1,000. So they really need help on that offensive line. And there's a lot of free agents, like we were talking about with the Jets. There's a lot of free agents that are out there that can help an offensive line. And there's even some in the draft. Yeah, and I mean, I think to go along with that, I mean, you talked about Gaskin being their leading rusher. He's not your bell cow back. He's a playmaker out of that backfield, but he's not your bell cow back. And so I think that running back is also a big need for them. Um, And... Like, for me, if you're going to keep a guy like Gaskin on the roster, maybe you get a, a kind of that bell cow guy like a Leonard Fournette um, to come in there and be your first first two-down guy and then have Gaskin in there on thirds. Um, you know, just something to bolster that, make him less one-dimensional. Um, because really, I mean, Tua had an okay year when he was healthy. Um, 67.8% completion percentage, uh, quarterback rating over 90, a positive touchdown interception ratio, got sacked a ton, like we said. Um, he didn't throw for a lot of yards, only 2650. Um, but they have the weapons at wide receiver. Jalen Waddle led the team in targets, catches, yards, touchdowns. Um, dude's going to be a stud. Uh, they, they're bringing back Gesicki, who I've always been a fan of. Um, but, yeah, they had the 30th-ranked rushing defense, like you talked about. Um, and, yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. I Yeah, their defense needs some work, um, but not quite as much as that offensive line. And I, I agree with you. I think they do need running back help desperately. Miles Gaskin is not the answer, like you said. He was great last or two years ago, but he is not the guy that can lead a backfield and still rush for 12, 1300 yards. He's just not that guy. Um, I could easily see them re- or getting somebody in the draft. I mean, you've got Kenneth Walker who might be there in the second round. I think their pick at number 50 might be a little bit of a reach. So if they were able to trade that down for maybe like the 60 or 70th pick, Kenneth Walker might be there and that's going to be a value for him. You could get Brees Hall in the third 
Or you can wait until day three of the draft and you could get James Cook out of Georgia or you've got uh, Isaiah Spiller out of Texas A&M. He was looking like a top talent, but he's kind of fallen on the draft board. So he could be a steal in day three of that draft. We'll see where they end up going. Um, But yeah, I'm interested to see what Miami does at running back, whether or not they believe that Miles Gaskin is the answer there. Because I I personally, I do not believe he is. Yeah. Um, Or you failed to mention, Devin, perhaps the most surprising breakout star of the combine at running back, Tyler Goodson out of the University of Iowa, had a great combine. I was surprised that he got the invite, but he proved me wrong. So more Tyler, if you ever listen to this podcast, more props to you, my guy. Yeah, absolutely. Tyler Goodson did show up for that combine. Um, Can we? Okay, I'm sorry. I got to take a break here from this, and I have to talk about the combine. Cody, what were your thoughts on how the NFL combine worked this year compared to what it's done in the past? Dudes were fast. This is true. Personally, I think they need to get rid of the unofficial 40 times. I think it's the dumbest thing ever because some of those were just completely off. What some yeah, guy like, almost like was assumed to break the record and then it was like what eight t- hundredths of a second off? Like it was yeah. almost a tenth of a second slower. And then we were like, what the heck? We thought we were all hyped because he we thought he broke the record and then he came down here and he was just like an average fast guy. Right. I mean, they overall like the number of people that were like under certain plateaus, like running backs and receivers under four, four was crazy. But yeah, yeah I mean, I also saw screenshots of different guys, forties that people pulled from like watching the video and stuff that showed like the time on the NFL network being well under even like the unofficial time, let alone that time that like the, what ended up being the official time. So um, I don't know if you just don't, do the like I don't know you can't not get rid of the timer on NFL Network but some way of just validating those quicker and not getting people's hopes up but I mean just right. the, ge- yeah. the, the general speed um, you, yeah. you had it's, you had it's Patrick crazy. Mahomes complaining that he got included in a graphic with uh, Malik Willis and uh, or not Malik Willis Desmond Ritter and Russ and he was uh complaining about getting cooked by those guys but um yeah it was yeah i didn't get to watch a lot of the combine so i'm not necessarily one to talk about like the format and what like kind of what you were saying about compared to years past so maybe you could share with the listeners some of your thoughts yeah absolutely i so essentially nfl network is deciding to make this an event very, very similar to the draft where they want as many primetime views as possible. But that is not what the combine is. The combine is something that is just on in the afternoon and it's during the week. And that's fine. You can watch it while you're at work. You can rewatch it later. You can watch highlights, but it is not something that is primetime television. And a lot, a lot of the players were actually really like complaining about this because they were having to do the bench press and then also the 40 in the same day in a short period of time. And they're like, I don't want to do the bench pass because then I'm going to be super tired for my 40 and that's going to impact my draft stock. So you're impacting these players draft stock because you want viewership. And that is not something that should be happening, especially because you're getting these top talented, top talent guys opting out of specific events. A lot of people opted out of the W drill and the three cone drill. 
And that, those are like some really good drills for NFL teams and scouts to look at these players for. And it's something that can boost a player in their draft rankings. So I'm just kind of surprised. I'm a little bit upset, as you could probably tell, about how they changed the NFL Combine. And I think it should go back to being like that daytime show or just live sporting event that happens during the day and not during prime time because you want viewers. Yeah, I I mean, I absolutely agree. I mean, it's never really been – it's something that you catch the highlights of and you hear about throughout the day, but I don't yeah. think that they need to try to make it into a spectacle. It's more for those guys to showcase themselves to the people that are there to watch them in person and not necessarily the fans. Um, yeah, so absolutely. Back to Miami. Um, so here's a question. If you're Miami, do you even consider – or any team for that matter – who takes a flyer on Will Fuller? I mean, the Dolphins did it last year, and it didn't work. It really didn't. I don't – oh, man, that's so hard. I mean, they paid him almost $11 million. The dude has talent. When, I mean, when he, he really when, does. When Hopkins was hurt or when he left the Texans, like Will Fuller showed that he can be a weapon for a team that needs him to be one. Um, but – He's got injuries and off the field issues. And uh, so here, here's my question to you How long do we keep up the act of if he's healthy, he's a really good wide receiver? Because we will be saying that until he retires. If he is healthy, he is a good wide receiver. And that is a fact. And we're not lying to you when we say that. But the fact of the matter is, he's never healthy. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I think that when it's when it comes down to um I mean the Dolphins on paper looked good last year with Waddle and Parker and Gasicki and Fuller. I don't think he can be relied on to be the guy because he can't be relied on to be on the field. Um I will say the Dolphins are sitting there round one, pick twenty nine because they have San Francisco's pick because San Francisco trade up to get Trey Lance last year. They could very, very easily take Jamison Williams there. Granted, he's not going to be ready by the start of the season. It's a long shot to happen. But, I mean, if he's back November, you I mean, Miami is the type of team with that amount of cap space. Like you said, they do have three very talented wide receiver or receiver options in Waddle, Gasicki, and Parker. So you could easily see them taking a flyer at Williams, right? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean... Like we said, they're willing to take a fire on Will Fuller. Why not take one on the talented wide receiver who just so happened to, uh, you know, tear his ACL? That doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be a history of injury issues. Um, and the talent's there for sure. Yeah, he's um, got plenty of tape to show us what he's capable of. And he's going to go in the first round. If he doesn't go to Miami at 29, I could see Detroit taking him at 32. Um, so we'll see. We'll see how that plays out. Another guy that uh, Miami might be looking at is linebacker Quay Walker out of Georgia. They do need linebacker help. Granted, it's not one of their biggest needs, but if he falls there and he's there, I mean, they could even take Devontae Wyatt out of Georgia as well. I mean, that Georgia defense was crazy. So anybody who's in the draft and played for that defense is going to be a good a good pick. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think we kind of covered – Kind of covered those needs, uh, linebacker, running back, wide receiver, um, O line help. Thankfully, it's a deep, 
deep uh, draft for that. So hopefully they can do something so that their quarterbacks aren't getting sacked to combine 40 times. That's just never going to lead to success. Um, Absolutely. So let's, let's move on here. Uh, let's go over to the New England Patriots. Now, they were an interesting team this year. We saw them have a very, very quick turnaround from the Tom Brady departure. Granted, it is Bill Belichick. He's very Wait, capable he's not, of doing Wait, he's not their quarterback anymore? I'm sorry, what? Uh, oh, for the Patriots? Yeah. Oh, was I? is he the quarterback for the Patriots still? Did I mess up? No, no I guess he's not guess, the quarterback. No, no, it's, no. It's, it's this other guy who they want to be him, but will never oh. be him. But you know, oh, it is what it I, is. I got it. You're thinking of Mac Jones. Yes, that's the guy. That's Do you want to know an interesting fact about Mac Jones? Yes, hit me. Mac Jones won an NFL football game and only threw three passes in it, and he started the entire game. Does that make him that I, that puts him in pr- his own company? Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's the only person to ever do that ever. Um, he probably will be the only person to ever do that because he took every single snap for the Patriots. He was the starting quarterback. He played the entire game and he only threw the ball three times. Granted, it was a huge, huge, huge weather um, restricted game, and it was not. A, I mean, it was an interesting one to watch. That's for sure. But anyway, back to their team profile. The Patriots only have five draft picks, four in the first four rounds, one, two, three, four, and then they've got a sixth round, which they got from the Rams because they gave them Sony Michelle. Cody, what do you think the New England Patriots do this offseason? Yeah, uh, I think that they could very well go get a weapon for Mac Jones. Um he, his top target was Jacoby Myers. Jacoby Myers is a good wide receiver. Finished the season with 83 catches for 866 yards, only two touchdowns. Um, Hunter Henry, I've been a fan of his since he was with the Chargers. Put up nine touchdowns for them this year, but they need more. And they haven't really spent money on more since, like, Randy Moss. Um and so I could see them going out and getting somebody like an Allen Robinson or a Juju Smith-Schuster or Michael potential- Gallup. No, he's going to the Bears. Um, <laughs> you, you will not hear me say his name for anybody else other than the Bears. Uh, Cody's a little superstitious about that one. Maybe. Uh, <laughs> could see what falls to them at pick 21 there in the first round, but... There's, I think, some options uh, at wide receiver, um, but I think they oh, yeah. also, I think they also need to look at defensive back. Um, J C Jackson, um, they only have eleven million dollars in cap space, and J C Jackson is probably going to get closer to twenty. They also have Devin McCourty, their veteran leader, who is just old. I mean, like you said, he's a veteran. He's thirty-four years old. Um, don't know that unless you really need the locker room leadership um, that you bring him back. But I think they definitely need to bring back. They definitely need to do something at that position to maintain where they were. I feel like quietly they were a good defense last year. I mean, they were second in scoring defense, fourth in yardage defense, third in turnovers, second in pass defense. 
Um, yeah, I mean, I think that they need to just kind of replenish. They've got McCordy, like I said, Jackson, Dante Hightower. Um, I also could see them bringing back or going to get finding a linebacker um, or a defensive lineman to help. I mean, the one weak spot, I feel like the weakest spot on that team was their run defense at 22nd in all of football. Yeah, absolutely. We could very easily see those numbers shift to where the passing is actually the worst for that team versus the rushing. Granted, they do have a lot of free agents, and a lot of them are defensive, and most of those are defensive backs. Now, like you said, they do have the 21st pick in the first round. This draft class, we've mentioned this every single episode. We're going to continue. So defensive back. I mean, Trent McDuffie, he might fall out of Washington. He might fall to them at 21. Granted, I don't think it happens, but if he does, he's a very, very solid cornerback. You've got Kair Elam, who very well could be there at 21. He's probably the most likely choice for the Patriots if he's there at 21 out of Florida. And then you've even got Andrew Booth out of Clemson. All three of those guys are very, very solid cornerbacks who could replace J.C. Jackson if they hit on him as their shutdown corner. Because J.C. Jackson is going to cost a lot of money to keep around, and they will have to make some moves elsewhere if they want to keep him. And they they declined the franchise tag. They could have franchise tagged J.C. Jackson, and they decided not to. And I think that speaks volumes because they, if they wanted to, they could have franchise tagged him and then came up with a long term extension later on because it expired. They have to by mid July. They chose not to, and I think that speaks volumes as to where they're headed when it comes to cornerbacks and defensive backs in general. Yeah. Um, Devin, what do you think of this one-two punch that they've got at running back with Harris and Stevenson? I think they run with it again. Uh, Bill Belichick is not one to go out and get a crazy high free agent running back. Um, I think they're sticking with it. Stevenson was great this last year. He really came to towards the end of the year. Harris is an amazing running back. Again, he's kind of like Will Fuller. He's incredible when he's on the field. He got hurt midway through, and Stevenson stepped up, and he carried it the rest of the way, and then they kind of did a running back by committee down the stretch. So I think they start the year in that running back by committee, and both Harrison or Harris and Stevenson can stay healthy. I think they've got a good running back room right there. Yeah, it will be interesting to me. I feel like both those guys are very similar. They're more like kind of the straight ahead between the tackles runners to me. Um, and the Patriots are always known for having that like third down back. And for them, in for a lot of years, it's been James White. This year, Brandon Bolden kind of became that guy. Both those guys are free agents. It will be very interesting to me to see if they go out and spend money to keep one of those two as that third down weapon when you have two such solid two other guys in front of them. I feel like the money could probably be better spent elsewhere. but Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they have Ramondre Stevenson under contract for three more years because last year was his rookie season. He's due less than $900,000 this year on his rookie contract. And Damian Harris is due 965000 I would say having two solid NFL running backs to – handle your backfield and you get both of them for less than two million dollars in one year i'd say that's worth it to keep them and not try a free agent somewhere else like leonard Fournette or anything like that because it's going to cost way too much money and you're going to get the exact same production as you will with those two guys right i mean yeah the only thing i would say is just 
having that third down back to like fit your scheme. But when you have guys who have built your scheme, like McCordy and Hightower on that free agent market that you're going to need to replace, I think that that is where that money should go, whether it be in the draft or through free agency. Yeah, um, absolutely. I mean, maybe if James White they, or Brandon Bolden take a team-friendly deal and they take less than their market value at $3 million and $1.5 million, maybe you could see one or two of them coming back. But I don't think it's really, really, really necessary. Like you said, I think they need to go after Dante Hightower or any of their other higher-end free agents in order to shore up that defense. Yeah, and there are other linebacker free agents, Devondre Campbell, Javon Brown, that they could look at if they do think that Hightower is getting up there at 31 for just a little bit more expensive potentially for those younger guys, if not. Yeah, absolutely. I think, so one guy that I really liked coming out of college and he kind of flopped when he got into the NFL, uh, drafted by the Arizona Cardinals last year, he played for the Carolina Panthers. But let me tell you this, Cody, did you know Bill Belichick is a very, very defensive mind minded head coach? I did. Okay, so it's widely known that Bill Belichick loves his defensive guys. Hassan Reddick is a linebacker who has an average, I mean, a fine cost. It'll cost you about 10 to $12 million to get him on your team. But in the right team, with the right fit, with the right coach, Hassan Reddick could be great. And I think Bill Belichick might be the guy to turn him around and get him back on track to what he was supposed to be when he was drafted. Yeah, I'll buy in. I'll agree with that. But overall, I think that they've found their quarterback of the future. um, And with that coaching scheme, they'll be back. They'll be back competing uh, for a wild card spot in what will be a tough, grinded out AFC. Um, But I do think they'll be competing for a wild card spot because there's – our next team, the Buffalo Bills, they're a lot of people's they're a betting line favorite to win the Super Bowl this year. Um, Dev, why is that? Why why do people like the Bills so much? Oh, man. Um, well, we could start off by saying Josh Allen. I think that kind of speaks for itself. Josh Allen is an incredible quarterback. We've seen him come into his own and become the beast that he is on the field in the last few years, and now he's on one of the best teams in the AFC. And like you said, I think New England is competing for a wildcard spot because I don't think they have a very good chance at beating Buffalo out for the AFC East title. And the Buffalo Bills have some a good amount of draft capital. They have nine picks in total. They have their first five, one, two, three, four, five, and then they've got two six and two seven round picks. And they can do a lot with that. They are pretty much right at the cap space right now. They only have $500,000 in cap space currently. But like we said, there's a lot of ways to move money around. They have 53 players signed, so they can cut a few, get some extra money out of that to sign in free agency. Yeah, and they, they, do- actually, they actually just cut linebacker A.J. Klein today, and that freed up, like I want to say, $12 million or so. So they're already making those moves to kind of give themselves more leeway. Right, and they can use that to re-sign Jerry Hughes or Mario Addison on that defensive line. 
just to kind of shore that up so they don't have to target it as much. Granted, it is one of their biggest needs. Um, they were 13th in rushing defense, and they were first in points allowed, first in yards allowed, third in turnovers, and first in passing. So that defense was outstanding outside of their rushing defense. So that defensive line, those linebackers, that's really where you're going to see that rushing defense come into play. And once you get those pieces, I think this defense is going to be incredible, and I think it's going to be very, very hard to beat Buffalo because of it. Yeah, I mean, like you said, their top free agents, uh, Jerry Hughes, Mario Addison, Vernon Butler, all defensive linemen. Hughes and Addison are both getting up there in age. So maybe that's a place where they look into free agency. Maybe a guy like Emmanuel Agba um, could be a target for them to kind of bolster that defensive line that is really one of the few places that this team needs to improve, I feel like. Um, yeah, absolutely. And that's something that they could address in the in the draft. Like I said earlier, they could target Quay Walker or Devontae Wyatt out of Georgia, linebacker, defensive tackle, respectively, and that would help shore up that defense a little bit. Um, yeah, I mean, Quay Walker is a great linebacker. He's got good size. He's got good speed. Um, and he'd be an inside linebacker for them, and that's something that they need, and it's definitely a good fit for them. But they could also, I mean, they have round one, pick 25. So they could just be, let's just take the best available, and that could be Tyler Lindenbaum out of Iowa, the center. That could be Zion Johnson out of Boston College. It could be Bernard Raymond if they wanted to shore up that offensive line, which is another one of their biggest positional needs, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, Josh Allen only went down 26 times. But Josh Allen is also a very mobile quarterback. My guy had 763 rushing yards. He was 100 yards away from being the second leading rusher in this whole division behind Damian Harris. Like, if he gets an extra 100 yards, he beats Devin Singletary on his own team for leading rusher. And then, like I said, vaults into the second in that whole division. And that's not even counting his 36 touchdowns and 4,400 yards that he threw for passing the ball. He is the definition of a weapon. He's got the weapons still. He's got Diggs. He's got Cole Beasley. Let's not even talk about Dawson Knox isn't even on, on our little stats sheet here who had a breakout year, tons of touchdowns, a little bit of some injuries, but um, another weapon for them. Um, he, yeah, and I mean, they down the stretch, they showed that Devin Singletary is going to be their guy run, running the ball. They kind of started with a running back by committee, but ended with Singletary being that guy aside from Josh Allen. And I think that they kind of have a system that they can roll forward on offense, shore up a couple of these needs. Um, they have the draft capital to do it. Yeah, absolutely. And I, w I will say Buffalo is kind of in an interesting position because they could I mean, they have two options. They can stick with Devin Singletary or they could look in free agency and they could go for a guy like Leonard Fournette or they could take a Brees Hall in the third round of this year's draft. We'll see. I could. I could see Leonard Fournette going to Buffalo. Um, I don't think he sticks around in Tampa, not especially not after Tom Brady retires. And now they're kind of in a rebuild mode because they don't really have a, a quarterback to lead that team. So I could easily see Leonard Fournette leaving. And I could see him going maybe to Miami, um, like we mentioned earlier. But I could also see him coming up to Buffalo and playing there and being their number one running back on this team. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I just worry that 
if you make that running back room crowded again, that that'll lead to just a very muddled running offense. But maybe if they just kind of switch that mindset and make Fournette the guy, they won't have that issue. Yeah, I think um, if they, I think if they went that route, they'd have to do that. They'd have to make Leonard Fournette the guy, especially if they're going to pay him that amount of money. Uh, otherwise, they can stick with that running back by committee, and Devin Singletary can lead them in rushing again, and Josh Allen could almost lead them in rushing again. We'll see. Yeah. Um, another need for them is backup quarterback because we all know Mitch Trubisky is going to be the starting quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Okay. Now, we don't need to be speaking that into the universe. Come on now. But it is a, a widely talked about subject that Mitch Trubisky – could possibly be the starting quarterback for an NFL team and getting paid roughly $10 million a year. A lot of teams think he's worth that. So we'll see. I mean, who knows? Like you said earlier, he led a terrible, terrible offense to an NFL playoff appearance. And he's got to sit behind Josh Allen for an entire year with a great Buffalo Bills offense. So he could have very easily improved, and he might prove everybody wrong. Uh, I mean, he might. Granted, I don't know that he does. I don't necessarily believe that he does, but it's very possible. But back to the Buffalo Bills, they do need a backup quarterback. I don't think they're going to re-sign Mitch Trubisky because of the aforementioned $10 million worth. Uh, They could go after a guy like Tyrod Taylor. They could go for a guy like Marcus Mariota. They could go for anybody like that, but they do need somebody who is fairly mobile, especially if Josh Allen gets hurt. They want a similar quarterback to him, somebody who's got a good arm and somebody who can escape the pocket and make a play with his legs. Tim Tebow? No. (laughs) No, Cody. What about Johnny? Man- what about Johnny Manziel? No, you're you're digging a little bit too deep into the into the well of quarterbacks who once were. All right. Well, the Buffalo Bills don't have a lot of glaring major issues, but they do have the ability to address those that are there and be right back where they were this year, thirteen seconds away from a Super Bowl appearance. Arguably, yeah, um, absolutely. An, a- an AFC an AFC championship game appearance, to be more correct. But a lot of people probably would have had them favored in that AFC championship game. So, um, Devin, we do this every week. We do. We do. Your, what are your pre free agency pre draft predictions for next year's standings in the AFC East? For me, the top two are easy. It's Buffalo and New England, first and second. Now, part of me really, really, really wants to just take a shot here, and I think I'm going to. I think that just talking about this earlier really made me believe it. The Jets make that leap. They are one of the most improved teams in the NFL, and they come up from the bottom pitfalls of the AFC East, and they move up one spot and one spot closer to becoming a great team in this division. And I think Miami closes it out at four. I don't think Tua is necessarily the guy. I think he's a great quarterback and I think he could be, but with their team right now, I don't know. And they could possibly be going into a rebuild. We really don't know. Um, They've got a new head coach this year. So we'll see. I don't really know, but personally 
I'm going to take the shot, and I'm going to say it's Buffalo, New England, New York, and then Miami. Yeah, you know, I I just can't get on board with that. Um, <laughs> it's okay. I, I know not, not a lot of people will. I agree. Buffalo, New England, obviously. I don't think New England does anything special to catapult them above Buffalo. Mike, I mean, they'll, they'll always play them close. They beat them once this year. Granted, the weather was crazy like we discussed earlier but give me buffalo first give me new england second um i like the dolphins they their win-loss record with tua was better than their win-loss record overall um i think that uh mike mcdaniel is going to come in with some fresh ideas for that offense and if they get those extra pieces i think that they'll find themselves middle of the road again. I don't see them as a playoff team because the AFC is so stacked, but I do see them. I don't see the Jets making quite that big of a leap. I do see them finishing above the Jets and just giving themselves maybe a little bit more clarity this year on if that rebuild needs to happen going forward. And hopefully Tua can stay healthy for a full season and answer that question that you just mentioned of, is he their guy going forward? Because I think that that is very still very yet to be determined. Yeah, I think Mike McDaniel is going to give him a trial year this year. Every head coach has their own opinions and their own scheme and their own fit at quarterback. And I think Mike is going to give Tua that trial year, that trial run. And if he likes what he sees, he might he might stick with him. He might give him an extension. Otherwise, I could see him trying to trade him. I'm not exactly sure when Tua is a free agent, but they could always just look for a replacement for him immediately after this next year. So like we said... AFC is just completely stacked. New England is going to be clawing for a wild card spot. I don't think Miami, I don't think New York get in there. Um, but Buffalo should win this division, and New England may see them in the playoffs next year. But until then, Cody, you want to close this out? Yeah, guys. Thank you for listening. Uh, remember to like, subscribe, five-star review, rate, Whatever you is any engagement you can give us on whatever your listening platform is, we would greatly appreciate it. We do have an email, so if you are a regular listener and you like what you're hearing and you have some way to, if you want to interact with us, feel free to send in questions, comments, whatever to our email. It is roughthepod at gmail.com. Again, roughthepod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. We will gladly address any emails we get on our next show. Um, Speaking of our next show, that'll be next week, same time, same place. And we'll be talking about the NFC East. Uh, This is a week where we didn't really talk about the quarterback position as a question mark a whole lot. Uh, More just the remarkability of Josh Allen, maybe a little bit on two at the end there. But uh, I think the NFC East, we probably bring that quarterback discussion back into play a little bit. Um, But yeah, it's an interesting division. It has been for the last few years. Got a whole new team name out there. So a lot of a lot of things to discuss in the NFC East. That will be next week. Um, until then, uh, enjoy your week. Have a great week. Uh, and see no evil, hear no evil. And as always, keep roughing the podcast.